0: Yes, sir, it's finally here, Michigan versus Ohio State.
1: Every year on the third Saturday in November, amidst a Midwestern haze and the rustle of autumn leaves, the Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes meet for a football game. 12 months of fevered anticipation are played out on a frosted green canvas upon which strokes of maize and blue clash with scarlet and gray. Separated by less than 200 miles of heartland, these uneasy neighbors engage in one of the oldest and most deeply rooted rivalries in American sports, predating baseball's first World Series by six years and the existence of the NFL by a quarter century. Hike! First of all, I want to thank everyone for listening. The last three episodes have been the most listened to and by a wide margin. We appreciate the continued support, and uh, we hope to continue to grow and to continue to have our episodes improve and follow And on a programming note, we are recording this on a Sunday. We hope to have this out by Monday, and we will re- be recording a second episode this week on Wednesday after Michigan plays Louisville, and Michigan State plays Duke. They should really be playing Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> stone cold, stone cold. So this week we have a two for one. As for this episode, we will break down the game between Michigan and Ohio State. Gross. Michigan State becomes bowl eligible against Maryland. Hooray. Also gross. Michigan basketball wins the mythical battle battle for the mythical land of Atlantis. Easy for me to say. And Michigan (laughs) State basketball goes two and one in Maui. They did not go surfing. This (laughs) is the Paul Bunyan Podcast. (laughs) Just remember, five comes before the fall. Um, you know what we do all year is, is leading up to this game is, is for them um, you know it's, kinda, it's an emotional game I mean I'll answer your questions not your insults so. that wasn't an insult I mean you get 118 points in two years they played really good, they played 11, good. Uh, that's why I'm asking what's, what's the biggest difference in the gap okay. they played better today they call the Michigan Ohio State Football game, the game. And it was certainly something. And I am glad I wasn't too optimistic, uh, not only last week, but from the start of this whole season, because nah. I would have really been let down. And I'm not saying that the game was fun for me to watch, but uh, if I had my hopes up, I would have been brought down, back to reality very quickly and probably, uh, you know, had some, a little whiplash with the force I would have been brought back <laughs> to. <laughs> But from, well, you know, the first quarter
0: was probably went as well as Michigan fans could have hoped for, aside from a missed extra point.
1: Yeah, and you, you only get – when you can put up six and you don't get the seven, it does dampen your spirits, but I would say very, very little. You're like, I really right. hope that doesn't come back to haunt them. And I wasn't completely hopeless. There was probably a time this season I had zero, like, hope and – maybe there was a time where it went up to 5% and i was probably somewhere between 10 to 15 yeah. but at the same time that means i thought there was a 85 to 90% chance that ohio state would win on the road there's just the
0: it's after the first quarter it's the constant body blows that ohio state just delivers time and time again they scored 14 points in each quarter and it was the second and third quarter the total outscoring was Ohio State, State 28 yeah, Michi- to Michigan
1: 6. Yeah, they only got three in each quarter, and you had to get more than that. Yeah. The, and I'll get into it a bit later, but what's really annoying is there were unforced errors, stuff that yep. Ohio State didn't do. But like I said, from the very start of this podcast, I've said Ohio State is the best program in the Big Ten until proven otherwise. And we've talked off-air even before this podcast where I just had them – Uh, number one i thought michigan and penn state would probably be one program would be nine and three one would be ten and three so while that was my expectations as a michigan fan i still want more so there's still some frustration and that's not to say i knew the storm was coming for ohio state because they were breaking records and just the recruiting classes they were getting and i think i said that to you i'm like they're losing players, but they're gonna replace them they're with good players. They restock
0: really well. And you see players like Garrett Wilson having big games against Michigan. Or Last year, Chris Olave had his first touch his first two touchdowns were against Michigan.
1: Fields is only gonna get better. I know he's a transfer. And then uh Harrison, he's a freshman right now, and Michigan was trying to pick on him some. In a year or two, they're not gonna be able to pick on him. He's a yeah. five star. I didn't. I, I, I knew the storm was coming. I didn't know it would be this year. And this is like, as we said last week, this is one of the best Ohio State teams we've seen. Yep. Um, Their low end starters on defense would battle for spots to start on Michigan's defense, which is a good defense, despite the fact they gave up fifty six points. And on the high end, you have the best corner in the country, probably, and you have a Heisman right. candidate and and, uh, and Chase Young. Right, Okuda I would say is probably the best corner in the country if and he's then, not he's got to be And I'm then sure across that.
0: from him is Arnett who is yeah who thought about being a
1: draft he pick been last in the NFL. Year, but yeah. came back
0: to improve.
1: And and you know, I know you touched on some of their players last week. We had so much to talk about that we really didn't go into individual players too much aside from Fields and Young and JK Dobbins. but I mean, if you look at their roster up and down, it is amazing. I to be honest, I I, I really give a lot of credit to Ryan Day for this season in some aspects. I also just think he's an outstanding recruiter and coordinator without a doubt. Yeah. It will be f- interesting to see how they go going like three or four years down the line when Urban Meyer is farther removed from the program where they will be. Because it it's not easy to win college football even with talent, but it's definitely easier when you have talent. Yeah. They've been out recruiting Alabama the past four or five years. They've been out recruiting Clemson. They've been out recruiting LSU. We
0: are in uh, the city of Columbus on the campus of the Ohio State University. (laughs) Uh, required by law to do that thing that they
1: just did (laughs) and also apparently to own five red hooded sweatshirts each. And speaking of Chase Young, that Heisman candidate, one thing I will give Michigan credit and I have some numbers later that we'll be talking about is they did focus on Chase Young. He's a Heisman contender that Penn State's coach frames Jenklin didn't seem fit to double team a little over a week ago
0: yeah they did a good job of pretty much blanking him from any stats i think i think in the end he finished with two quarterback
1: hurries but i and those came in the second half i believe yeah um i have to admit that i did turn the game off at one point (laughs) just because it wasn't fun for me but i do know that here that just before halftime, Joe Klatt said, we have not heard Chase's, Chase Young's name today. He had been a non-factor. He had zero tackles in the first half. Did he get a tackle at all? I know no, he said not according to this. Website. Michigan did a good job on him, and that's something like you can't get irritated. If you're a Penn State fan, Like, yeah, the closest need- game all year Ohio State's had, and you only get 17 points, but you held that really good offense, probably second-best offense in the country, Behind LSU, that's the only option. Awesome. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, to 28 points. Like, Mich- uh, Ohio State scored 28 points, was it? Like, in the first half against Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. yep <laughs> you held them quarter. to 28 points. And it's like, if you would have double chased Young, could you have at least made it even closer? Right. Talking about a one
0: possession game instead yeah. of an 11 point game. But, yeah, Ohio State's defense, I think Michigan had a pretty decent game plan. Like you said, just basically blanking Chase young which is not easy Michigan State in their game against Ohio State did a decent job against Chase young but you know Michigan State also turned the ball over our, on their first two plays so and we'll be getting into
1: <laughs> some mistakes Michigan did um, I wrote a note here that Second quarter throw that I really like from Shea, who for the most part, like I know he fumbled, but for the most part, there was a lot of things I liked about him. was it that, that one that was kind of a throwaway, but he ended up finding and Collins. And Collins grabs it. Yeah. Oh Takes him out of bounds. Not a good snap or a good recovery by Patterson. That's actually my next note, the the mistake he, he made. Up. And at that point, the game's really close and was interesting. And I, w- I was going to get into it later, but as the gap widened in Ohio State, really had a huge lead. There was no reason for Michigan to run the ball and Ohio State knew it. And Patterson went from starting off 14 of 19 to finishing. Here, I have the exact notes. But once they started throwing it, it really put a lot of pressure on our offensive line, who's good, but probably overmatched by Ohio State's defensive line. And you knew they were going to throw every time. And Shea actually started 14 of 17, excuse me. He started really well. Yeah. And then he uh, finished 4 of 26, so he finished 18 of 43, less than 50%. And the offensive line was getting tired, and I believe both of the hurries came in the second half. They still held their own, but once you let Ohio State get out to that big lead, the strategy becomes different. And if uh, that team knows what you're doing. And that's where Ohio State has been thriving all year. And I was going to try to go into order a little bit, but I see something else that actually uh, connects to what I just said. We saw a wildcat in this game. Which we saw it a couple I, times, which on the goal line, on second and goal,
0: you can do that. That's fine because you'll have another chance. But fourth and one
1: in your I don't even totally hate it on fourth and one. I don't love it. I know you don't watch as much Michigan football. Michigan fans are accustomed to Wildcat. And one thing I will say is there's certain situations I don't mind it, even on fourth and one against that defense. But I don't really, the reason I don't love it either, though, is it takes the pass completely out of the game. Yeah. Michigan's also good at it. Uh, Haskins had followed Brennansen. There was a chance that it would not only be a first down, but a touchdown. And I retweeted that on our Twitter. Yeah. They're really good at running it. He didn't follow his blocker. And I bet you those coaches tell him on that play, never cut back. He cut back. He went right into the Ohio State defenders. So I don't like the play call, but it would have been shame on me if they would have executed correctly. And every player but one did. But on the flip side, if you use the same blocking schemes and you hand it off, Haskins has an extra second.
0: To right. notice
1: his gaps, right? Because there is at least two
0: other ways that it could go. If you say line up in the classic I formation, Shea could sneak it. It could be a play action. It could just be a straight up pass. You know, not. You know, would, the most likely thing would be either a quarterback sneak or a run to Askins from a, out of that formation. A bubble screen, a, a quick, quick slant. Screen. You know, right? Like you said, when you go to the wildcat, and that it's basically just saying we all know what's going to happen.
1: Who's going to win this basically? This battle of the offensive and defensive line. And you saw, if you notice those corners on Ohio State pre snap, they're playing off the receivers. And you see one of the corners realize, like, wow, I'm really off the receiver. I might want to tighten up just a little <laughs> bit because even Haskins can probably make that throw. Right. Not Dwayne, Hassan and Haskins. Has- <laughs> and early on,
0: like the first drive, I really thought. Fields did not look as sharp. Like, Michigan came out offensively, looked very sharp. Ohio State came out. And if they don't have J.K. Dobbins, they I, I really doubt they score on that drive. Now, as the game progressed, Fields just got better and better and better. And it helps for him to have a, a running back like Dobbins that he can rely on. Because um, Dobbins, his stats are amazing. And they don't even tell the full story. But 31 carries, 211 yards four touchdowns, and then two catches for 49 yards. Just the awareness and everything from Dobbins. On his first carry, he fumbles the ball, picks it right back up. I mean, there's no lucky for him, there's nobody else in the zip code that could have picked up the ball. But he, it's, it's like he didn't even drop the ball at all, and he it was like a
1: 40-yard gain on that play. There was a play where he almost went right into the line where everyone was bundled up, and then he cuts back and he jukes the Michigan linebacker, and it turns into a big play.
0: And he just has such good vision. Three of his touchdowns were down in, like, goal line situations, I believe. And he just had such good vision finding exactly where he needed to be. It wasn't like he was getting stuffed and just willing himself into the end zone. He was finding exactly where he needed to be. His vision is underrated.
1: Michigan only got one sack on fields. They got a lot of pressures, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking to your point, early in the first half, I was talking to some friends about the game, and it was like, why is Michigan ever going away from the pass because it was working? And it's like, why is Ohio State ever going away from the run? Because that's what's working for right. them. Like, you want to almost keep a 2-to-1, 3-to-1 ratio at that point, just enough to keep the defense honest, but maybe keep doing it until it doesn't work. But uh, Ohio State's four-man pressure wasn't working early on. You know, them O-line was doing a good job. That's when they were rolling. And from a yard standpoint, at half, U of M, Michigan actually moved the ball better than Ohio State. They were averaging 8.9 yards per play versus 8.2 yards per play for Ohio State. U of M was down to mistakes. 0-2 0 for two on fumble recoveries, which is kind of the luck game we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. They had that bad offsides on fourth and four, which really seemed to turn the game. On the punt, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't in love with going for a field goal. I think they should have. Uh, wasn't
0: it, at the time it was like 42 to 16, and they kicked a field goal. Or are you talking
1: about 28 to right before halftime? Okay. Well, I,
0: I kind of thought the one where I believe the score was 42 16, and they kicked it. Probably
1: that's, don't that's love that's kind of Franklin esque a yeah. little bit.
0: And, and for granted the, they didn't act like they had
1: just won the game like Franklin 42 was. and 20. It was 42 27 at one point. Michigan went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. But if they had kept rolling and made it 42 to 34 or 35, right? <laughs> I would have I'm had the crow with those field goals, maybe. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I saw some of the number guys out there that fall on Twitter, you know, Billy Connolly. Phil Steele, you know, they're all, like, you know, criticizing Harbaugh, and I agree with them about the field goals. But they're like, am I going to end up looking stupid? Every day should be Saturday account was another one I saw talking about that bum Chillips. But, you know, Michigan was rolling in the first half, and they didn't continue that. And the fact that they were getting so many yards but only had three points in the second quarter to show for it, that's the game. We we talked about Ohio
0: State had their sloppy game last week. If you were going to – Rely or like hope on the fact that Ohio State was going to have another sloppy game. It's just not.
1: No, nope. they're going to have a bad time. And Michigan had their sloppy game, first one in a while. Um, I, I, but yeah, I would have gone for on fourth down. I would have uh, mixed in an onside kick. I would have won't uh, mixed in a two point conversion if I was hardball. Go for broke. You're the underdog. Yeah, you're at home, despite how many scarlet and gray shirts were there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just that's that's how it always is. I feel like. I've watched games where, like,
0: Ohio State's at California, and that stadium is yep. mostly scarlet and gray.
1: Well, when you live in a mobile home, you can travel wherever <laughs> you want. So, <laughs> Michigan needed to bring their lunch buckets. They need to be gritty. They need to be scrappy. And they needed to be another generic cliche. And they just weren't. <laughs> yeah. Instead, they look sloppy, undisciplined. And that was actually the most un- disappointing thing. It's one thing if. Ohio State just plays better, but Michigan looks sloppy, and I actually didn't expect them to lose by 29. I was thinking they would probably lose four, by 14, 17, whatever. Yeah. They're, they're at
0: home, and they had been clicking. Something convincing but
1: not embarrassing. Right, 42-27. If that was the end score, I would not be surprised, but yeah. they let them get 56 points. Hmm. So I, I know your stance
0: on Harbaugh, and I think I know your stance on Don Brown and their futures, but – Harbaugh is now the first coach in the series to start out 0-5. And Don Brown's defense in back-to-back years has given up 62 and then 56. And I feel like I've heard a lot more fans'
1: frustration with Don Brown than Jim Harbaugh in the last 24 hours. I think fans can stomach losing to a team that's historically good. And I have some stats I'm going to bring up in a minute on that. Okay. When it's the most important game of the year in two years in a row, you just get smacked, and it doesn't help that he got smacked by Wisconsin earlier this year, and he's been smacked by Penn Florida. State in the past. I Florida, Florida was that the bowl, bowl game? game? I don't think people really care about that. I think they should though. <laughs> if you give up forty-one points, but but I don't. I couldn't even tell you what they gave up. So, I mean, right. when you're trotting out a bunch of backups and you don't have Rashawn Gary, you don't have. Well, they didn't Ron have Rashawn Hagen. Gary for
0: most of the year last season.
1: I'm not that's talking a, that's about a, that's mostly a, defense. That's a, that's a feather in Don Brown's cap, though. They didn't really have defensive tackles last year and they had an injured Rashawn Gary and they were still getting pressure with. But it's not like they're out getting out
0: athleted by Ohio State, they're getting out schemed. I don't. I actually. I disagree with you. I don't. I think, think they that, they have enough pieces to run with Ohio State. It, I think it's mostly scheme that's getting them beat.
1: I think one
0: Ohio State's recruited at a right. No, I know. Level. I know. I'm. And I just think Don Brown
1: should be facing a lot less, more heat
0: than he is.
1: I think he's facing too much. Really? And yeah, I do. And I'm not totally. And I'm not even sure if uh, I want him back. I'm just. I have a much more nuanced opinion. Okay but ohio state since harball's gotten here 35 players in the nfl i think it's first or second they keep swapping with alabama right. michigan 21 so it's a 5 to 3 ratio for every 5 ohio state sends, michigan's only sending 3 so i don't think the talent levels there well, that's, that's and, as it's close any other and it's fine it's fine going to get penn state i think 7th michigan's 8th so michigan's third in the big 10 eighth in the country so, I mean, you know, I was, was going to get into this later, but every year we see like the fourth or third ranked college playoff team kind of get smacked around like they don't belong. Right. I feel like there's three, four, maybe five teams that are just a cut above. And I have the record since 2015. Clemson's lost four games in that span, Alabama, six. Ohio State, six. They have the looks like almost the same record as Alabama. Alabama's played more playoff games, so they have more right, wins. And then Michigan's a half game behind Penn State, and I think that's about where they should be ninth in wins in that amount of time. And I just think there's that gap. And for whatever reason, Michigan can't steal one from Ohio State like Penn State has in that right. time. I mean, even, even Pitt's stolen one from Clemson right, in that span. But Ohio Michigan's lost eight in a row. This time next week will be the eighth game Wisconsin's lost to Ohio State in a row. And I believe one or two of those was a Trussell team, not even an Urban Meyer team, just because they don't play them as regularly. Right. So, I mean... Although this will be the third time
0: those two are meeting in the Big Ten championship game,
1: But, nah. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's some, like mythical recipe that Don Brown can come up with. Like, I don't think that's the issue. He wasn't putting safeties on slot receivers this year. That's not an issue. So you plug one hole, and Ohio State was finding a different one this year. Right,
0: but he has this year put safeties on players like K.J. Hamler.
1: But it's definitely been the exception, not the rule. He's been using brackets and other defensive schemes. He's not, like, still using the same thing he was using in 2016 which is something I would kill him for. right? And Michigan is seventh in S&P. Bill Conley actually tweeted out that it's like Michigan's not doing poorly. They're doing poorly against one team. And every team Harbaugh has played at least twice, he has a 500 or better record against. You know, he's three and two against Penn State. He's three and two against Michigan State. He's two and two against Wisconsin. One and one against Notre Dame. It's just that next level is Ohio State. And if he was in the West, he would probably be like Wisconsin, and played in the Big Ten game a couple times because so much right. that Wisconsin and Michigan's done in the last five years is very comparable. It's just he's you beat PJ Fleck or whoever uh, coaches Iowa. Versus Kirk parents Kirk parents versus Urban Meyer. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like I was talking to a couple of friends about it and they're like, "Do you think he needs a co-coordinator?" And no. I I am very much against half measures. I think you either ride with Don Brown, you think, "Hey, we're close. Are we going to level up?" Or you decide to cut ties and you find someone else. I don't have a firm opinion on it. I think some people that are killing him, they're not looking at the details. They're just eh. one of my favorite quotes is just "stats are for losers." And I mean, I'll answer your questions, not your insults. So I don't know. We just keep. I think going I read that. I think I read that on Barstool once. Uh, I'm not really. It's, <laughs> it was.
0: It's a Pat Narduzzi quote. Oh, it's <laughs> like if you're winning the games, like you don't really care about the stats because the only stat that matters is, you know, getting a championship. But the team with the better stats
1: usually wins the championships. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're, win- I-, I think like a Dave Brandon thing is like, oh, I don't, I don't totally love this. Let me just destroy it and he actually has a quote very similar to that and i think that's what gets you brady hope or rich rod like uh lloyd isn't quite cutting it he's very close Mm -hmm. so let's just tear it all down and i don't know if that's always the best uh strategy i think you kind of want a measured one and like if you're going to replace don brown i think the next candidate needs to be the right one and I also, I I was a big fan of Don Brown when he was at Boston College. That's actually who I wanted him to get, and I didn't think they would just because he was at a smaller Power Five school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't totally blame it on him, and I and I do think Michigan's closer than most teams in the country. So, I think anyone that's looking for a change has to consider that. We say closer than any team in the country to beating the Ohio most, State than most teams to being in that making leveling up. Kind of like okay. LSU okay. No, okay. was probably one of the closest teams to leveling up in the SEC like they did this year, I would say Michigan. And Michigan and LSU's record is very similar. I mean, probably before the season, it was almost exactly the same. Right. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to go with someone else, it's got to be someone you think's really going to level you up fine, sexy men who rock beards. Look at that. Do you want a little pop culture
0: mixed in with your sports? Are you a fan of the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan State Spartans, the local Detroit teams, comic books, movies, or just sports in general? Then check out the Beards for Radio podcast. We're talking Marvel, D.C., college hoops, horror movies, the NFL, the Avengers, the Walking Dead, the NBA, and we're doing it with Beards for Radio. Find us on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else podcasts are available.
1: We're going to make fun of you until you shave the beard. That's the rules. That's the (laughs) whole point. You're supposed to be tempted into shaving. Your face looks like Robin Williams Knuckles. (laughs) (laughs) Grab your balls, we're going bowling.
0: Grab your balls, everyone. So, Michigan State... Is the least bowl eligible team that is bowl eligible <laughs> in the history of bowl games? <laughs> Fitting end to qu- get them, quote unquote, eligible for a bowl. A 1916 win over Maryland that was really just a microcosm of the whole season. Just boring. I, like I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like I'm not mad at it. I I knew this was. Are coming. you mad that
1: Ohio State's band decided to? make themselves transform into scissors and cut a parent Michigan State banner? <laughs> Is a banner? I don't flag? know. A, I don't know a single Michigan State fan who's upset, like,
0: oh gosh darn it, they pretended to cut our banner in half with scissors. Like a lot of us were just like
1: did did what? they did Ohio State
0: like, yeah, i don't oh, know why you would get mad you, that. are you guys do you guys think this is 2015 and you're mad at us for ruining another championship season for urban like is that what's going on
1: did they think michigan state fans were in the big house i mean <laughs> there weren't a lot of them in east lansing no. i saw you mocking the announced number right no they, they totally
0: had fifty thousand in that stadium right
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i saw that dobbs was injured which is uh, Michigan State's offensive lineman Devontae Dobbs. Yeah. yeah, their left tackle, I believe. True freshman. Game. I'm
0: hoping he's injured enough that he doesn't play in whatever bowl game they go Dread to. Because he played in that. He's played in four games this year, and that would have been his fifth. And D'Antonio has just kind of shown an effort mindset when it comes to that rule because Brandon Wright played in his fifth game. He's a running back. You, We've noted that Michigan State's two main running backs are also freshmen. And Brandon Wright finished – let me find his stats real quick. Brandon Wright finished the game against Maryland with, I believe, it was five carries for seven yards. So What's the point of that?
1: Right. And you have three guys that are all in the same you class can't, you can't, the same position. You want to And you got one. another guy
0: coming in in Jordan Simmons next year. And, like, oh, yeah, Elijah Collins is redshirted, Anthony Williams – has played in every game but the opener. But it's like, Brandon Wright, that's somebody you could probably use a fifth year of. I don't know if you're planning to redshirt him next year, but they also have Jordan Simmons coming in next season. But Elijah Collins and Anthony Williams probably aren't going to get fewer carries in the near future. So
1: I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I think like, Dobbs is someone I would burn a redshirt though Just because he's so young And he's coming in highly The fact that he, he plays on the offensive line though I think you prefer to redshirt red He shirt might not have that luxury though And he might not even He's a, He could be an NFL guy He's probably going to be an oh, NFL guy Yeah, but still But uh, the running back situation When you have three guys in the same class It's like why will not you redshirt at least one Yeah and Anthony Williams, like I
0: said, have been playing basically from the second game. So Brandon Wright should have not played. But I, I don't know. I'm not the guy who got a program win on
1: Saturday. So who am I to question? <laughs> the b um, writers were noting that State was early on was failing to take control. They three times in the red zone or the two 25- interceptions
0: from Lewerke on the first three drives after or maybe it was the first four drives, but I know Essentially, they got into the red zone, kicked a field goal, got into the red zone, threw an interception, got into the red zone, loss of downs on just a play that has not worked ever. But, hey, let's see. What was it, the Wildcat? No, it was uh, just running to, I believe it was the right side out of an I formation on fourth and I know we did get another Wildcat. (laughs) Against Ohio State. Yeah, we haven't seen that one. Or if we have seen it, I haven't Well, we saw it in this game, I was saying. Michigan State, and Maryland. Team? Yeah, did we? I thought so. I don't think so. No. Okay. I mean, unless you want to count like Lowryki playing quarterback at all as being
1: no, no, Wilds no. Guy. I thought I
0: thought we did see a wild game. Maybe was, it was a different game. Lewerke, uh, um I don't know. Some some. Uh, I've defended Lowryki throughout his career, but honestly, it is going to be a sigh of relief when he's gone. Uh, a lot of fans try to make the argument that from 2013 to 15, if Lawrycki was the quarterback and not Cook, Michigan State would have been just as successful, if maybe even more so. That's that's a pile of bull. Connor Cook had a legit arm. If he didn't separate his shoulder against Maryland his senior year, I believe he would be playing in the NFL he right now. He could
1: put the ball. His right accuracy was uncanny. Yeah,
0: he was a game manager and a playmaker. He had moxie third and long was where he he was money. Every time Connor cook was one of my favorite college quarterbacks, not I just see. in a Michigan state
1: uniform. There was a, in the 2015 game, there was a couple, uh, completions. He threw. And were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. With Jordan Burbridge Lewis, Lewis, doing Lewis everything. going after an yeah. old
0: game. And yeah. And you know, Lowry finished with over 300 yards passing, but you're playing Maryland. Uh, no touchdowns, two picks. He had a rushing touchdown. And, you know, he got to lead them on a technically game-winning drive where they kicked a f- field goal. I think his
1: accuracy was maybe pretty cool. bad. Yeah. Well, I think in this game it was the one time you might say it was – or one of the few times this year you'd say it was good. What was it? Yeah, 30 for
0: 41. Yeah. But he had a couple lucky bounces. He had a long pass to Cody White that really should have been intercepted if the Maryland defender had timed his jump right. He had one – looked like he was throwing it to white sailed over white but into the hands of Trey Mosley who I really like for Michigan State and I'm I'm okay with them not using a red shirt on him because I feel like he's kind of earned the the chance to play in
1: these games. I think uh, Lewerke had like what maybe none maybe one interception in September
0: yeah he had one interception. And then he finished And then then that one was was like a bouncy, like it bounced off somebody's hands into the defender's hands.
1: He finishes with twelve, and all, and all but one were in October and November. Yeah, so, no, he going into the Ohio
0: State game, I believe it was eight touchdowns to one interception, and, and he was playing some of the best football of his career. And yeah, like he, he finishes with here. sixteen touchdowns. And And I I understand Daryl Stewart getting hurt. I understand the offensive line kind of being makeshift, but a lot of that was on him. It wasn't just bad luck. And it was
1: noted that he was actually sacked more in 2017 and 18.
0: And he he missed three games in 2018. I was
1: going to say that too. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, So, I mean, it wasn't all on the line this year. No, but it's it's just continually – I've given Michigan State –
0: too much credit. I keep thinking – I kept thinking throughout the year the defense was going to bounce back or Lewerke was going to bounce back or they would be winning comfortably enough against Illinois
1: and Rutgers and Maryland to play backup players. But they're just not. I and, was – that's one thing I'll say. Like, we might not have said that last week was – it was an ugly win in some ways, but it was 27 nothing. Yeah. This And this, the defense
0: last week looked – like, it at least had some pride. And then whatever yeah, pride they had was gone again.
1: Which is funny. They were on the road, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't think the separation between Rutgers and Maryland is as big. And as
0: Anthony McFarland's a good back, but you can't let somebody have eight carries for 134 yards on you.
1: Yes. And I know, and I'm pretty sure Maryland blew out Rutgers. I believe they it was share. like 48 But I kind of feel like, Maryland's trending towards what Rutgers is. Yeah. Like – Yeah, 48-7. We, we, the defense exceeded our expectations last week. I think Michigan State as a whole didn't reach our expectations this week. They should have been a, able to bring in a bunch of their young guys and their bench players. and Right. And their defense should have been a defense that was good enough to stop
0: Arizona State on fourth and long. And stop Illinois on fourth and long, and if those two things happen, the team is eight and four right now, and it just feels different. But the fact is, not only did you lose to all the good teams on the schedule, you lost to the pretty bad ones, too. I don't think Arizona State's any good, I don't think Illinois's any good either. No, they, they just got the their Western, sp- yeah, who's what three wins. So, I think Northwestern three and nine. The season ending is a breath of fresh air, uh, it's a positive that there will be practices for players like Trey Mosley, Julian Barnett yeah. who should have been who should have been getting the ball all along. Um, you know, players like Collins and Williams and I guess Brandon Wright now too since his yes. redshirt's up but I think he only got like four I think the most amount of carries he got in a game was four or five yes uh, on Saturday. So it's like a waste. Yeah, let me let me pull up Brandon Williams or Brandon Wright's stats. 18 carries for 48 yards over five games. In, in what game did you really need to use those stats? Right, it, you couldn't have thrown Alante Thomas a bone. A, one of those walk on running backs. You could have gotten
1: backs. him that main, that much uh, time in two or three or. You 40s. can't throw Rocky Lombardi at quarter at running back. Yeah, you, you have to. You
0: you absolutely have to use Brandon Wright in this situation. That's what you're telling me. You can't can't just let somebody develop. If you want to play him in four games, that's awesome. I would love for you to do that, but you just can't because you're an idiot. You don't understand the basic, simple things in life, like basic math. Mark D'Antonio is an idiot, and I can't stand him anymore. Is he mad at the program or something? They should fire him. He should be fired this year. I'm done with him. Nobody's going to be buying tickets next season. Nobody wants to hear him stand up at media days in Chicago and talk about – Oh well, we've had great success here in the past, and we can do it. Like nobody gives, nobody cares. Nobody cares what you did six years ago. Yeah, you've been given mulligans a couple times in the last few years. The fact that you were allowed to bring everybody back after the 2016 season, when we actually had a real athletic director at Michigan State, that was that was when you should have made wholesale changes. That was when you should have made Brad Salem offensive coordinator. If you did that, we're looking at a different product right now. And Brad Salem might actually be a decent offensive coordinator, but he's, it's, there's just – there's no – there's if there's any hope for this Michigan State program, it's hard to find. Because I've talked about how in the past they've rebounded from six and six regular seasons with championship seasons. But 2009, 2012, they were losing close games, and they had a bevy of young talent – and they had good recruiting classes coming in. The 2009 team had the 2010 recruiting class coming in that had Max Bulla and Darquez Denard and Le'Veon Bell, Jeremy Langford. I, I just don't see that coming into the
1: sidelines next season. Yeah, Rocky Lombardi I don't think has given you a whole lot to be excited about. No,
0: you're not going to play Purdue every week, so I don't see Rocky Lombardi being. Have you even seen the third-string quarterback? I've seen him take a couple knees this year, but aside from that, no, <laughs> good experience. <laughs> right? Um, it's just yeah. these simple things that seem to—I don't know if Mark Dantonio is just an idiot and can't comprehend it, or if he's just arrogant and wants to prove that his way is the best way, and it's always going to be this way, and there's nothing you can do about it. Because you know what the stadium's going to look like for the most for most games next season—it's going to look like that like what it looked like on Saturday, except a whole lot of opposing fans. You're going to see a lot of Miami fans, Ohio State fans, Michigan fans, Minnesota fans. That's Michigan State's going to play 10 road games next year. They're going to be
1: like the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> except not, not any good. I want to touch on uh, Brian Lewerke a little bit more because – you know, I definitely probably been less up on him than you this year. Yeah, I haven't really dedicated many episodes too much to it. And I mean, he did surprise me a bit in September. His career highs were all in his sophomore year: completion percentage, TDs, yards, longest completed pass. You, you can see
0: why people were so excited about him. Career low interceptions. Yeah, he had back-to-back 400-yard passing games, and one of them was against a good Penn State defense. So, yeah. It, Usually quarterbacks
1: progress from that. Well, yeah, the promise never came to fruition. You Never know? did. Uh, and, uh, I don't know that it's all on him. I I think he was a guy that you – he made up for some, like, especially long ball accuracy issues with his feet. He wasn't necessarily run first, but he could yeah. scramble a bit. And, and on, it was on never passes, liked. he
0: was pretty decent for the most part. And he did have some bad breaks in terms of, like, tipped passes this year. Like uh, I'm watching one from the Penn State game where like ricocheted off of a lineman, off of somebody's foot into the Penn State player's arms for what is technically an interception.
1: To, to but be he's fair, also he's not mentally strong. I also felt like sometimes he'd get lucky with ones that could be interception. Yeah, no,
0: no I, I just brought up two of those yeah. passes yeah. from Saturday. And Connor, that's the Connor thing Cook too. And Kirk I think the reason kinda... mentally strong, and they made their Michigan State careers on game-winning drives and beating teams just loaded with NFL talent
1: yes and I think what really made me decide I was going to criticize him this episode is he's playing Maryland yeah you're playing Maryland and Rutgers and your stats are just not
0: what they should be from a quarterback that like you said put up those type of numbers is sophomore year and I get it, like, you don't have Felton Davis anymore. Felton
1: Davis was a, a very underrated receiver. I thought Michigan State had some, I know they had some injury issues and stuff. They had receivers this year, though, I thought. Yeah. we. Uh, I, I wish, we I wish was Trey a- Mosley
0: had played from day one like Julian Barnett did. Uh, not that it would have changed any of the outcomes of any games, but it could have changed a little bit of the
1: outlook of the future. But – I think he had receivers. He didn't necessarily have running backs. Uh, what's his name came on late though. Uh, their young running back, uh,
0: Elijah Collins. Yeah, I like. He, him. he had a really good week two, and then had a, a couple nice games here and there. But he's but a, he, freshman, was a freshman, right? Yeah, and no, you didn't expect both Ladarius Jefferson and Connor Hayward to transfer mid-season like they did, which is kind of a weak move. I know we're supposed to like respect. Every single move
1: that college kids make, but no, those are those are weak ass moves. Well, those maybe maybe they were as fru- they're probably more frustrated. They probably they were than no you. <laughs> I mean, if this was a eight and four team, maybe that wouldn't have happened, or maybe like certain strategy things going on, right. like burning a red shirt, frustrated them. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought there was a chance that the passing game could be somewhat of a strength coming in yeah. the season. I wasn't super high. <laughs> Especially uh,
0: when I was watching the Michigan State-Indiana game and Lewerke was really passing it all over the field. He was finding Stewart and Cyber and a lot of different options. And he was – I believe he almost had 100 rushing yards in that game. But, yeah, and it's not all on him. I think he's had some of the worst years of Mark D'Antonio and Dave Warner. I said to somebody yesterday, I can't remember the last time I watched a Michigan State football game and I thought, wow, we really outcoached the other team. I think maybe 2017 against Michigan or 2017 against Penn State,
1: but those are the last two times. You would have thought before the season that it would be well, at least I would. Uh, I I was thinking state would go eight and four and Indiana would go six and six. And even yeah. though State beat Indiana, I mean you got passed by them, and that's why there's so much frustration. Right, and Indiana's doing it with the backup quarterback. Yeah, who, by the way, is really stepped up. I was looking at some of his Peyton stats. Ramsey, and yeah, yeah, he, you know, I know you like uh, Penix, Penix more, but Peyton, I, I, I will like, I, I wasn't super confident going against Ramsey when I was looking at Indiana yeah. going again in that into that game.
0: I'll just say like Penix was a, I believe Ramsey has two years on Penix, so Ramsey's a junior and Penix is a freshman. And it feels like so Ramsey's
1: been around i think he yeah. started as a freshman he did i was thinking he was a senior but i mean our frustration i wrote this stat down maryland opponents going into this game were averaging 48.5 points and state put up 19 at home that's why we were expecting this to be a blowout like yeah i, I said what did i say oh yeah nebraska killed maryland last week and they're a dead program maryland's better a- than dead
0: Nebraska's missed a bowl game for the third straight year now. So yeah. I guess I guess we're not in Nebraska, we at least have. Yeah. But.
1: A win is a win, but expectations were high and
0: right. And I'm I'm happy for the kids and the seniors that don't that aren't ending their careers just quite yet. Like I saw the videos of them celebrating and dancing. Like, no, that's that's good to see. I'm glad love- you wouldn't want them to win
1: and walk off the field
0: with their heads low. Michigan
1: State is my team's rival. And I'm not going to slam them on social media. If you do that, you're a loser. Yeah. And And I saw
0: Michigan State fans slamming videos of them, like, celebrating. It's like, you don't understand. Like, a lot of these kids came to Michigan State when it was winning championships. When it was at its
1: peak. And if privately you want to say, like, Michigan State doesn't deserve a bowl game like if you were to say that in a room with me and you that's fine but to say it and to maybe like even tag them in it that's mean messed up that's mean like mean for no reason like they got six wins and i think they beat a
0: decent indiana team their schedule didn't do them any favors whereas say say they get blown out by ohio state but then they play Rutgers and then they play Wisconsin, and then they have a bye week, and then they play Penn State, then Illinois, then bye week Michigan. I think it is a little bit different. Not yeah. not that they beat Ohio State or Wisconsin or Penn State, but I think they look better. Maybe they have enthusiasm right. in these last two games because they're not four and six. Because if you go back to our episode right after the Ohio State loss, and it was 34-10, to 10, but there were moments in the second quarter against Ohio State where it looked like the offense was answering some blows that Ohio State was making. And that, that first. And 34 to 10, like I believe I predicted that to be a 34 21 game the episode before. And, you know, a missed field goal and a missed, uh, just an overthrow by LaWorke where White could have scored. You know, it is basically that. But it's just how Mark D'Antonio said after that game, we'll be defined by how we respond.
1: And <laughs> no, they certainly were, but not in the way that he was hoping yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I expected a blowout. I expected it to go in Michigan State's favor. And, we've, you know, we've been giving Michigan State too much credit, believe yeah, it or not. Even me. Even Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of, i as a rival fan, you know, I saw 2012. I saw 2016 and how they responded, you know, the next right. year. And it's just like, so you don't want to.
0: <laughs> I'm not saying it can't happen. Like, they can't say, win nine or ten games in 2020. I'm just saying, like, in 2009, I felt like I had some hope. In 2012, I felt like Max Bull is coming back and Darquez Denard coming back, and we have a player like Shalique Calhoun in the ranks, and we have a player like Connor Cook and Jeremy Langford in the ranks. In 2016, we're two years removed from the playoffs, and this is the first time we've seen just a blip on the radar from D'Antonio and his staff is what it looked like, and that was a young team.
1: D'Antonio deserves credit. He's beaten good teams. He has. Being other programs picking themselves up, it's not like D'Antonio can't beat them. He's done it in the past. Right. But I do think having a lot of good coaches in this area, it's harder to find a two-and-three star that other people are overlooked.
0: Look, Urban Meyer could have had two more national championships at Ohio State.
1: He had one, and you can thank Mark D'Antonio and his
0: team for that. Yeah. Like, legitimately – they won, a, they won the championship in 2014, but 2013 and 2015, Ohio State, those were championship-worthy
1: teams that just couldn't get past Michigan State. And that idiot on Fox Sports, Doug Gottlieb, like saying, like, the only reason D'Antonio ever won anything was because Michigan and Penn State were down.
0: Right. No. Michigan State didn't even play Penn State from 2011 until 2014. Right.
1: And not only that. And, and, hey, that may have made it easier, too, but he was beating other teams. Yeah. I do think where it comes in, though, is when Michigan has Harbaugh instead of Hulk. Penn State doesn't have sanctions. Cincinnati doesn't have Tommy Tuberville. They have Rick right. Fickle. You have a lot of Brian Kelly seems to have gotten it together. Some of those guys that are two or three stars and get overlooked, now you have other coaches with better coaching staffs. And you also have –
0: the game of football evolving in the last four That's years. That's another thing. Which Mark D'Antonio just has not been able to do. tarzo has been able to evolve his game. Mark
1: D'Antonio has not. And one thing that I will say, just to finish it with Mark D'Antonio, you got to give him credit for taking advantage of other teams skipping out on two and three stars that were good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And maybe under-
0: I don't. I, Maybe he still thinks that's the recipe for success, but you got Juwan Howard came in and he shot his shot at some five-star players. Some of them went to Duke, some of them went to uh, Kentucky or Arizona. But well, he got them, he got some, and a lot of others are thinking about it. You got to shoot your shot.
1: Yeah, and and I don't even have a problem. You know, like I I think one issue is. Harbaugh has actually had success with Devin Bush and Jordan Glasgow and Cleek right. Hudson. And maybe if Hope was I still love- here, they would be in green and white as much as Devin Bush being green and Joe- white.
0: Joe Bocci wasn't a big-time recruit.
1: Kenny Willickus was a
0: walk-on. And even if you want to go like even like more current, Elijah Collins wasn't highly recruited. And I do think he's going to be not a star, but
1: you could see him in the NFL someday. And you brought up Howard Beeline. He would go after some five stars. Like, I think that's a little overblown, but he's changed schemes. He's, he came into Michigan, ran, ran a de- completely different defense. He came yeah. in not using pick and rolls, but he evolved. And that's what I think D'Antonio has to do. He can still recruit the way he did. does, it's just the way you use him. I would love for Mark D'Antonio to be the
0: guy to bring Michigan State back out of this darkness. But I'm telling you, if 2020. Is basically a repeat of 2019, which is basically a repeat of 2018. Anybody who's still hanging on is you're just begging them to let go.
1: Yeah, you're doing it against all evidence.
0: Right. So I'm I'm glad there's gonna be a, a while until we see that bowl game, but <laughs> escape to one song, one song only.
1: It hasn't been red, it's been maize and blue. Oh, it's and blue. Championship moment here for the Wolverines. A great way to start your coaching career, to be the future Hall of Famer and have a dominant performance. The Wolverines, to put it simply, they were awesome, baby, with a cowboy away. As bitter as football was for Michigan fans this week, basketball was equally as sweet. I am excited. And Joe, you know those commercials where they say, if your erection lasts more than four hours, consult a physician. (laughs) I may need to call a doctor, Joe. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. (laughs) I feel validated. No comment. (laughs) I feel validated about what I said about this team, by the way, you know, I was almost apologizing for suggesting they could be the yeah. third or fourth best team in the Big Ten or they could make it to the Sweet 16. But, you know, not only about the team as a whole, but Eli Brooks just does not look like he's going to cool off.
0: Yeah, no, I'm definitely surprised um, by everything <laughs> from the week that was. For I mean,
1: it may still be a little Maybe early, not but even
0: I- by them winning, but. It the didn't way seem like did any of those times, games were really particularly
1: close. They actually they had a lot of things going against them. And I know at this time of year, some basketball fans don't watch whole games and stuff. Right. There was a game where Teske barely played because of foul trouble. There was one where Simpson barely played because of foul trouble. There was one where they went on like a thirty-nine to five like run against North Carolina, but then North yeah. Carolina went on their own and they ended up being like a nine-point game. But there was a point where Michigan was winning by like twenty or something. Right. Twenty-four, I think it like. Off Somebody there. who's
0: gonna surprise me is uh, DeJulius coming off the bench. I wasn't sure how many minutes he was going to get
1: in rotation. I think I told you that even though Nunez was a starter until Franz right, came it, back, wasn't... it was more DeJulius. They just don't always want to run like three essential guards. with Ju- DeJulius can right. kind of play point or shooting. Eli Brooks is kind of the same. But you're putting one of those guys at the three with a you – know, Simpson's a bulldog, but he's even undersized for a point guard. Yeah. <laughs> and there was times at work, but there was times they were playing teams with size that took advantage. But uh I was I was pretty much like Juwan Howard. I was uh dancing after those wins doing the cabbage patch. I will get my swag on. Yeah. <laughs> I was dancing on this show last week. I was celebrating good times. Come on. <laughs> <She'll> Too much dancing. <laughs> this isn't footloose. or is it or are you footloose? are you telling me i can't dance
0: (laughs) (laughs) only in abandoned warehouses but no so they went from that first four game stretch which i told you i wasn't too impressed with and i wanted to see how they played
1: i don't know you weren't impressed i think i wasn't putting too much
0: stock in it you know which That's just how I view basketball
1: early on, you know? I don't think – I think Creighton's a team we could still see. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a bubble team. Some people are slamming them for losing to San Diego State, but I think Torvik came out with a thing where, like, by the numbers, San Diego State looks legit. At the time, it, it
0: looked like Michigan and Creighton were, like, even. at Right. So, like, getting a win over your – was getting a win over somebody you're even with was definitely... Both ranked about
1: yeah. 30th or 35th
0: at the time. But then it's
1: getting the wins over
0: Carolina and Gonzaga. And yeah, Iowa State too, but I, I wasn't like surprised by them beating Iowa State. Maybe really? by like the way they controlled the game after yeah. a little bit of a shaky start. Yeah, But no, the, the way they beat Carolina and
1: Gonzaga and controlled those games was su- surprising to me, I would say. Uh, maybe even... More than me, and uh, I was given best case scenario in our basketball preview shows, and some of the things I said that would be best case scenarios happening. And you know, I was almost apologizing—was it two weeks ago? About how maybe even a week ago, how optimistic I was. But I think right. their 2000, well, it would be 18 recruiting class outside of the fan base was really underrated. They were saying it could be like Beeline's second best. Right. And they still could. You already have Iggy in the NBA, but they're like quality guys coming off the bench with the Julius Johns and Castleton. It's, you know, Castleton when uh, Teske got in foul trouble, stepped up and he he's blocking guys. Now he recorded his first block and then he kind of put an exclamation mark on that by getting a couple more. And Julius when Eli Brooks or uh, not Eli Brooks, but when Xavier was in foul trouble, was holding his own. I think both Michigan and Michigan State this year have players from their
0: previous recruiting class that were technically on the team last year, but now it's kind of like they're adding those players now. For Michigan State, like Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham are playing like rotational players that you have to have on the court. Keep and it. for Michigan, like you said, to Julius and Castleton, really.
1: In our basketball preview show, I was going on and on about how deep and how much depth – Michigan State has, and one of the reasons I want Michigan to keep Jalen Wilson or to get a transfer is I was like, they they could they could be the one team in the country that could compete with that if they had a player yeah. or two. And that was that was when Langford was we thought healthy, at right? The time, both of them, you know, Wilson's not yeah. here, Langford's hurt. You didn't get the transfer. Hauser. Yeah, so it didn't go exactly as planned. But I feel like both teams, like right now. So typical on Thanksgiving, I'm arguing (laughs) with my uncle who thinks Michigan's playing too many guys off the bench. I'm like, that's a strength. Like, maybe if I looked at minute management, I would have an issue. But, you know, drunk uncles on Thanksgiving never know what they're talking about. (laughs) But I was talking about in uh, recent episodes about how Michigan is forcing teams to take mid-range or long-range twos, which from a percentage standpoint is like one of the worst shots you can take in basketball. Yeah. They forced North Carolina to become a mid-range shooting team, and right. they made a tr- Thanksgiving tradition for Michigan to wipe the floor with North Carolina. And Roy Williams <laughs> just on the sideline saying, "Dad," <laughs> he was like, "Man, I got out coached by Beeline last year, and I got out coached by Howard this year," which is funny because the first Final Four I remember watching, Jawan Howard and Roy Williams were both involved. Both of them got beat by North Carolina. Uh, Roy Williams was a coach though, and Jawan Howard was a player. And, you know, Roy Williams is old. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: is old. <laughs> he was, yeah, Kansas at the time? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: That's kind of how I, at the time, Kansas became my second favorite team. I would just see them in the tournament a lot. But I'm not a Bill self-fan. And anyway, we're getting sidetracked. But Gonzaga on the other end, they you could tell they watched some tape. They didn't want to do what North Carolina did. So they weren't doing the jumpers, the mid-range shots. But they were going for – close shots that were contested and that yeah. didn't really work either. <laughs> they were taking di- difficult post shots and it was probably even less successful. Like at least North Carolina was ma- made a run, made it you know, to get it down to single digits. Like yeah. Gonzaga lost by what was it? 19 by the end? 19? I think it was 8 18 18 points, 82 64. Yeah, Yeah, but the lead was like 15 20, you know, like they didn't have that run that North Carolina had to make it close. Yeah. And all three of these games, Michigan, like you want to get off to a strong start. But what I kind of like is last year, you know, they got off to a hot start and they really did have a good season. They did. But they didn't finish as strong as they started. These three games, they were down in all of them. And there was times it looked like these their opponents were gonna
0: run away with
1: it, but they came back. And they came back with their own run. And it that, wasn't just
0: rolling right from the tip.
1: No, and not only did they come back, but they had big leads against all these teams and all three of them. And like I said, Simpson, your senior point guard, Teske, your senior center, both had foul trouble. I think Simpson played seventeen. Minutes in one game. I think Teskey played like eleven in one of those games, maybe closer to seventeen. But Teskey had foul trouble against Iowa State. I want to say it was the North Carolina game that Xavier Simpson had foul trouble. It might have been Gonzaga. I watched three games in three days, so all of it. <laughs> it all kind of ones, Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. And yeah. then Franz Wagner. You know, he doesn't look sharp yet. I don't think that's a concern. I think his mere presence out there instead yeah. of Nunez though is his height, and I
0: think he. He hit a couple shots. Over he, the weekend, he's a shooter. Looks pretty smooth. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: he might not look himself until February, but you're okay. That's where the depth comes in. You know, we say look, Michigan State actually still has depth. And yeah. And so does Michigan, even without some of the players who we were hoping would be on the on the bench for us. Oh, that's it. Put it in the book. That's put the putaway shot. It would appear Eli Brooks is 4-3. He's got 23.
0: So, road game Louisville. Uh, now that you're now that Michigan's kind of rolling, what are you How do you feel going into this game? My Louisville will probably be the number 1 ranked team. Uh, however much weight I wonder what Michigan's going to be ranked. What would you rank them? Probably like Five or six right now.
1: I would think... Probably higher than Duke or Michigan State at the time. I would think there's a case to be made for top five, but part of me thinks it's going to be top ten. Right. They... they I just think the quality wins like that back-to-back... Back, That's what I'm saying.
0: Usually you don't get a Carolina and a Gonzaga in the same tournament, and if you do, they end up playing each other. Right. Like I, what... I remember when Michigan State went out to the, the Phil Knight PK-80 tournament a couple years ago. And they like had a they had three blowout wins. One was over DePaul, one was over UConn, and then one was over Carolina, who was at the time the third ranked team in the country. And it was like kind of set up for both Michigan State and U and North Carolina to get to the championship game to play each other. You know, UCon- so so like Michigan State came away looking good from that tournament, but really only getting a nice win over North Carolina. Michigan. Got nice wins from Carolina and Gonzaga yeah. in this tournament, so it's it's kind of rare that a tournament, a preseason tournament like that is so is quite stacked. Three quite stacked.
1: You, you could really make the case they should be three or four in the country. And then hey, if they lose to Louisville, dropping them back to ten, whatever, right? But uh, get more. Quinn from night. Athletic covers both teams, and he was expecting Duke and Michigan. Some State. people were saying that could be a, a one-two matchup. Yeah, and you might this. Louisville and Michigan might be actually ranked higher than both teams. Like, yeah. Probably definitely Louisville. You would think. But I, Louisville just, like, that's my be way of being number egg.
0: two and number and one And they losing. look good.
1: Yeah. Like, as good as Michigan looks, like, I, they're at home, so you got to give them the edge, right. right? And they don't just have one player rolling. They have Jordan Nora and uh, I believe it's Steven Enoch playing really well. Um, um, so, yeah, so talking about what could happen in this game – they're shooting at probably an unsustainable clip, Michigan. And while they may regress to the mean, I think Franz Wagner is only going to get better. Simpson still has like some overall he's had some good uh, games, but a couple of the bad games, like his turnovers are so high, like especially for him. And you think, while well, the shooting may regress to the mean in a way like those turnovers might as well. Yeah, they might progress to the mean almost, and in the positive, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I see Simpsons and Franz play getting better, and that might kind of that might kind of you know yeah. break even with the shooting coming back some. And like th- at this point, you have to consider Eli Brooks a player. Like we've been saying all year, is he gonna?
0: Is he gonna? Con- is this going to be a
1: continuous thing, or is he
0: just doing this against? Houston Baptist and Appalachian State, right? And uh, to do it in this tournament, no, that it says a lot about what you can now expect from Eli Brooks. You me, can you can expect a game from Eli Brooks on most nights.
1: And Houston Baptist, the thing that really made me excited about that game wasn't just that they beat the pants out off them; it was how they did it. The bench was coming in, yeah, and there was some drop off on defense, but that's it. Speaking of which, when you have this these this many players that are shooting well. Their big guys are hitting threes too. Teske hit a couple and, uh, no, not John. Johnson. Uh, uh Junior. Livers. Isaiah Livers. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, cool. That's uh, why I'm here. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I kept wanting to say Isaiah Todd, but I knew that wasn't. It. Isaiah Todd. It was that's coming in. <laughs> uh, but Livers was hitting threes. And when you have this many guys hitting threes and you're playing great defense, like, that's a recipe for success. College basketball
0: teams. That have multiple players rolling. Those are the most successful ones. Like, yeah, you know, you got Marquette with like Jordan Howard or Marcus Howard. I must say Jordan Howard, or you know BYU with Jimmer Fredette. Those type of teams, which are fun to watch. You know, Purdue with Carson Edwards last year, but those aren't really like sustainable teams. You rarely see those teams actually accomplish their goals. Which even to credit Purdue, they also had Ryan Klein rolling. Well, Duke last year, they had some other players. Duke without Zion.
1: Yeah. was a 3 or 4 seed. Well, that's what I was saying uh, last year. I I thought Michigan State had a chance cuz well, their supporting cast was good. It wasn't great. Right. It was mostly Zion and like I'd rather play a team with a superstar and a pretty good roster than like a Texas Tech or a Virginia that just <laughs> as, as, they just come at you with that defense, you know. Right. And I mean not all of them are created equally, like, you know, that was Virginia's first national title, probably ever, if not in decades. Came a year after they lost a one sixteen game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, look like they're going to. Is it Bennett the there? Yeah, look like, like they, they were going to lose it again too. Yeah, Izzo's outcoached him in the Sweet Sixteen a few times. Sweet, yeah. But uh, Xavier actually hitting shots too. Yeah, not only from the inside, but from the outside, and he's developed. He can go left or right this year. Um, you know, a lot of times in the off season, you hear all this chatter about players improving, working hard, blah blah blah. Well, Xavier, you hear it from multiple coaching staffs every year, and we've seen him turn uh, his foul shooting woes into, you know,
0: positive. Yeah. Or at least,
1: at least not, not as much of a yeah. negative. And last year, he went from twenty one percent beyond the arc to thirty. And this year, he looks. If he can keep this pace up, he's actually a threat from there. <laughs> you know and you you watched him play, and you like him. like I love he, yeah. he, <laughs> Well, I thought Derek Walton was a hard worker. Xavier Simpson takes it to another level. Xavier Simpson, he really is
0: a Tom Izzo type of point guard, like a Kalen Lucas, Travis Trice, Travis Walton. He, he's that kind of point guard. And Tom Izzo did want him. It's just that he wanted Cassius Winston a little bit more. Like, no – Beeline kind of did too. Right. I
1: mean <laughs> – uh, actually, around that time, both programs were—they were both going after Langford. They
0: right. were going
1: after more than a few players. I think the, the same time, myth yeah. that Michigan Michigan State never goes after the same players are a li- is a little bit—it's not as frequent
0: as like the football. Team, sure, but
1: it it, it's another simplification, a right? Me and you love – you it's, and I it's love more, college basketball. There's a lot more casual college basketball fans. I think it's more
0: high publicity when Izzo would lose players like Jabari Parker to Duke or Josh Jackson to Kansas, so on and so forth, than like – Izzo really wanted Isaiah Livers. Right. I believe Belon
1: really wanted Xavier Tillman. Yeah. Same
0: class. I, yeah, same class. Can you imagine
1: if a team got both of them and they played next to each other? That would be sweet. With all their different skill sets. Right. And then for whatever reason, like, um, Mo Bamba didn't get as much press when he went to right. Texas over Michigan. I don't know why. Um but uh, overall, Michigan's shooting 45% from three with that defense. I will accept any and all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Take it, I guess. <laughs> uh, Brooks has had such improvement. Uh, we've seen you've, we've seen Stauskas go from a role player to the star of the team. We've seen Mo Wagner, you know, really yeah. progress. I was thinking, like, is there any player that's made this much improvement Michigan, like we've seen it in the last decade, because Beeline had such a good staff and was such a head coach. Right. The only one I could come up with was DJ Wilson. You, yeah, because Wilson
0: didn't really like play too much. I want to say in sixteen, him I think and he redshirted in fifteen. He was
1: even worse than Bogner. I like, only I
0: only recognized him because of his hair <laughs> when when he
1: started playing more. Well, it's kind of like what was that? Like Gabe Gabe. Uh, Gabe Brown? Yeah, like, I was like, who the hell is that? That was probably the <laughs> you with DJ Wilson. Like, you know. Right, I,
0: I recognize his hair and not much else. Well, mm-hmm. if you
1: recall, like, Mo Wagner and DJ Wilson both had trouble staying on the court. They'd make mistakes, but DJ Wilson was, like, kind of even worse than Mo Wagner at it. Yeah. But they both improved. And I think DJ Wilson not only improved f- faster, but because uh, Mo Wagner stayed an extra year. Yeah. And, but DJ Wilson went to the NBA and I think that improvement's, like, higher than any of the other players I listed. Maybe Karris LeVert from freshman to sophomore.
0: Yeah, but, but it's he, like his he so first two years wasn't, like, the role player that Stauskas was or the right. role player that even LeVert was. That, like that LeVert, still gave a couple yeah. minutes.
1: By, by, by the end of the year, you're correct. And, I, and that's a good way to kind of summarize what I'm trying to say. Uh, that That's why I just think it's – Coaching staff last year loved his defense, and it yeah. really is good. And that, that's the thing. Michigan has so many players that are pluses on both sides of the court. And I would actually say teskey is even a bit underrated. You get Michigan fans that still, like, I wish there was more enthusiasm. I wish he was, was meaner. But I don't know. I think the rest, the moxie of the rest of the team kind of makes up for it. And, it, like, there's something about being Mr. Fundamental, you know. Yeah. the final. That's right, Michigan, Xavier Simpson, they're the champs. And how you doing, Lima, Ohio? Simpson was brilliant. The Wolverines, they certainly earned it with wins over Iowa State, North Carolina, and Gonzaga. And Michigan over Gonzaga, 82-64. John Teske was so good. And then against uh, Iowa State, Teske got into foul trouble, and like I said, Castleton handled his own. Yeah, You know, Beeline said, like like I said, that 2018 class was one of his best, and he compared it to 2012. And you're starting to see, like, some comparisons. And how they to stack see them. why. And I think in a year or two, Nunez might be one of those players that, as a senior, finally figures it out like a Duncan Robinson and can use that – three-point shooter because he's no longer a negative on the defensive side of the court, but this Tuesday is going to be fun. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. Who is Paul Bunyan?
0: American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength who, along with his blue ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown. This is Sparta!
1: Wolverines! what I love, Cassius Winston
0: makes it look so easy. Michigan State headed out to Maui for a week of Thanksgiving tournament, and they really came out flat the first game against Virginia Tech, and it was a game where Cassius Winston only put up, let me see, seven points and two assists, which off the top of my head I can tell you that's his worst uh, statistic output to say the least since his sophomore season what was the what was the cause of that you think uh early foul trouble he got it he picked up a second foul in the first half real quickly and Izzo is one of those coaches that's like I'm I can't play you in the first half after you've got two fouls and so- he did he did address that in the post game a little bit saying maybe I need to adjust this for some situations.
1: But it's funny because I actually can, thought – Can I ask you a question, though, about that? Sure. On Michigan Twitter, when Beeline would do the auto bench, fans would just get mad. Is it like that with Michigan State-like families? Not all the time because usually players
0: don't pick up their second foul quite so early, and they're not quite as integral to the scheme as Cassius Winston is to Michigan State. But, no, there were definitely times uh, last year in the Final Four, Aaron Henry definitely comes to mind. Jared Jackson –
1: Pretty much every game of his Michigan State career comes to mind. I'm really glad you said that because I'm sorry. I know you have a lot you want to say. No, about right. ever, do you – okay. My mindset is Final Four, why not just go for it? Right. Okay. Most, most definitely. Late November against Virginia Tech. It's a resume-building game. Like I, I no. kind of like the fact
0: that Michigan State had to use Rocket Watson, Foster Lawyer, for an extended amount of time, not just against Virginia Tech but against – Kentucky and against Seton Hall because Cassius Wisdom picked up a pretty quick two fouls against Seton Hall as well. And those two players were pressed into duty, and held their own. I agree
1: with that. Where I would get mad is one final four. Why not go final for four. broke? Yep. Yeah. And two, sometimes you have a short bench at a certain position and it's like, let's keep the star out there. Whereas, okay, if you have a freshman you want to give minutes to that you think is going to be a star, I get it.
0: Yeah. Okay. And well, overall, um, Xavier Tillman got off to a slow start in the tournament. He ended up having some a decent statistical game against UCLA, but was just making some weird decisions when he got the ball. Against Virginia Tech alone, Xavier Tillman had five turnovers. And I'm, I'm sure you saw some of the backlash for Michigan State fans on Xavier Tillman. Also, yeah. Which some of it is warranted,
1: but some of it is just – Classic overreaction. I think some of them felt like they were giving them a mulligan against Seton Hall, and now they're yeah. worried it's becoming a trend.
0: And that's that's a fair point that I would say to the fans. But Xavier Tillman, he's he's not really known for his scoring quite yet. And the game against Virginia Tech, that's where you really miss Nick Ward. And I know um, Nick Ward didn't really like end his career at his peak but it was kind of for the betterment so that Xavier Tillman could come in at the right time for the team. But Nick Ward was a, a basket getter. Yeah. He, he had the scoring prowess about him that was – it was rare to see from somebody so soon in the college game. He had it from day one. And personally, like if he could have just, just like taught Xavier Tillman – A couple of tricks, or a couple more tricks. I don't know how much Xavier Tillman has picked up from Ward. Where's
1: Ward playing now?
0: Um, I know at one point he was with the Atlanta Hawks G League
1: affiliate, but I think he's in like Egypt. I saw him break a backboard in Egypt, which is pretty cool. If he was gonna play in Egypt anyway, why not just be Tillman's backup and like try and win a national title? If you have NBA, so if you think you have an NBA spot, even in the G League, I get it. But if it looks like you're going to go overseas, why not just, like, there's, try to win a title? W- he might have just wanted to make money as soon
0: as he could have. Fair I don't know point. his personal situation. I kind of attribute it also to uh, Michigan State, had a very nice running back in Edwin Baker, who was a freshman in 2009 and was kind of pressed into duty. 2000 His sophomore year had a great season. I, a lot of people thought he was one of the top running backs in the country. But... A freshman on that 2010 team was Le'Veon Bell. And when Edwin Baker slipped up and started fumbling the ball in 2011, Le'Veon Bell got the majority of the carries. And Edwin Baker, maybe he wasn't ready to make the NFL leap, but he made it because he knew what was coming from Le'Veon Bell in his junior season. And I'm not one of those.
1: I actually think fans are – are sick when they yeah. really get heavily critical on what the player decides, I think. like
0: Til- Tillman was not a full-time player until late last season. So, yeah. no, it doesn't concern me too much that, okay, against Seton Hall, they had so much size, and eventually late in the game they just stopped putting the ball down low because they realized we can't score the ball when we go into the post because of how much size and length and athleticism Seton Hall has specifically at these positions. And Tillman played every minute of the first half of that game. Um, So I can see how some people might be concerned about a trend, but this is really growing pains for him. Yeah. Um, And really for the whole team, I'm not concerned pretty much at all. So we're talking about looking at the season as a whole – If you really thought Michigan State was like the number one far and away team coming in and it was going to be like that for the whole season, that's on you. If you look at the overall record right now, yeah, two losses. Neutral court loss to Kentucky. Neutral neutral court loss to Virginia Tech. Those are things you can live with at this point in the season. I was –
1: it it became a bigger deal just because – it was like, okay, Virginia Tech beat Michigan State. Yeah. You know, I, I said they might, you know, Buzz Williams didn't leave the cupboard bare, but it was like a little bit. It became a worse loss when Virginia Tech lost by 27 to Dayton. Which Michigan State would have lost by a and, decent amount to Dayton. As and well. then BYU beat them by 13. So they like lost their next game. Oh, no, I didn't games. see BYU beat them. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: and, um, I don't think they landers. Nolly had a hell of a game for Virginia tech. He was the one that we brought up the most on our previous episode when
1: went for 22. And I think you were a little bit more like show me than I was with. him. Yeah. And I, I think he's a player and
0: Aaron Henry is another guy who he ended up with 18 points in the game against Virginia tech and there were I believe it was a two-point game on one of the last possessions for Michigan State. But Henry got a lot of those points late. It was the next game against Georgia, where statistically he had fewer points. I believe he had 14 in that game, but he set the tone early for Michigan State. Didn't really put up much against UCLA. But if he if Aaron Henry can realize just how good he is. It's kind of like Jarrett Culver for Texas Tech last year. They had very similar freshman seasons, and Culver really took off, became a top five pick, I believe. Aaron Henry has similar talent, and it looks like he's he's very smart on the court. He rarely makes dumb decisions. Now, occasionally he has lapses in effort, which is why Tom Izzo will run out onto the court with <laughs> clenched fists at him. But, <laughs> um, and I understand that the team – is playing with broken hearts right now. It's losing somebody, like, it's not just Cassius Winston's brother. It's somebody who was around the program from the time Cassius Winston was being recruited. That's not a one-time deal. You just lose somebody and they're right. gone. It's, it's every day, and it's really the months afterwards that are the most difficult to deal with. But again, they went to Maui with a job to do, and they just looked out of focus out of tune. I know they had the boot camp before, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's anything out of the ordinary. Um, and they really looked like they were going to take care of business also against shooting. Georgia. I know shooting. That's kind of like the Xavier Simpson turnover situation.
1: You think it'll get better?
0: I, they have a lot of they have a lot of capable shooters on the team that are just not making shots. And I think I touched on that
1: last episode. Cassius Winston is. Do you think it's a strength of the team? Kind of like it can be. To, like last year, Simpson was like fourth in the country in his turnover to assist
0: ratio. They, they won't be like that that team that had Valentine and Bryn Forbes and Aaron Harris and Matt McQuaid on it. But no, there are a lot of different players who can get you a three. I think Rocket Watts will find his shot. He's struggling to adjust, but he's having better moments. He said he had some moments against UCLA where, you're like, okay, he didn't, he wasn't able to do that against Kentucky or Seton Hall. And you see Gabe Brown come off the bench now, and he has been shooting it less. I think he's kind of wanting to show off that he's added more weapons to his arsenal, but he is somebody who can step out and shoot it. So. It can be a strength. I think their main strength is going to be the fast break as usual and then their toughness on defense and rebounding. But, no, they'll be a good shooting team. They're getting off to a slow
1: start. but Did the comeback that Georgia made, was that really that big of a deal to you? Just a little annoying? Like when it Appalachian was, State came back against Michigan, I was mildly annoyed until it like got really young.
0: That's it, basically what it was. And it wasn't really Georgia so much as it was Anthony Edwards. And I told you, man, it's another recruit that Tom Izzo really wanted. and It came down to him and an SEC school, and he went with the SEC school. I'm talking about Tyrese Maxey in the first game. And my goodness, Anthony Edwards could not miss. I mean, he had four points in the first half and finished with 37 total. So do the math. He yeah. had 33 second-half <laughs> points. If you score 33 in a game, that's awesome. 33 and a half. I don't know what Tom Crean gave him at halftime. But Michigan State had a 28-point lead and was rolling, and it got down to as slim as two points. And Anthony Edwards, his final stats don't look quite as good because, like I said, he had a pretty off first half. But he was rolling. He couldn't miss. He was playing unconscious. That's one of my favorite (laughs) terms to see. I'm going to take it as I'm pleased because it's
1: good to get Cash back on track a little bit here. Aaron was pretty solid until we started giving up threes and give give Georgia a lot of credit. Give Tom a lot of credit did a better job than I did keeping his team uh, in the game. Um, I think we gotta learn that when a guy gets hot, that's a prolific scorer. We let, if somebody let like Cassius do that, he could maybe not make the shots he made, but you know, we got a lot of guys letting them get into the rhythm and then trying to guard him and actually doing a hell of a job, but it's too little too late. Uh, I thought we quit running. I thought I did a poor job substituting. Um, I was going to make this guy next to me play today, and I did. The foster lawyer played pretty well. If I could have got him a couple minutes here and there, it probably would have helped him. We're still struggling at the four, um, and yet early in the game, Marcus did a lot of good things. Um, Just disappointed to go back, but I'm happy for Tom and for Georgia. You know, that's the true colors of a team to be down almost 30 points and uh, find a way to come back. It's
0: like this is going to stop at some point. At some point, these star players for the
1: other team are not going to be hitting these shots. I have to believe it's going to happen at some point. Do you you think there's any chance that Michigan State laps on D or is it just? No, because I, (laughs) I see them playing textbook defense right in
0: the guy's face. Now there are occasional lapses on defense. Nobody's perfect, especially right. when you play primarily man-to-man on just a
1: an effort type of ordeal. But do you think Izzo uh, saying there's poor conditioning? It's just to motivate players, or do you think that's a real thing? I'm not
0: sure that's a real thing because we've seen a lot of players give a lot of minutes for Michigan State, even against the smaller schools. So. Maybe he's just talking to specific players at that point, but I know Thomas Kithier didn't start the last two games of the Maui Invitational. I think he's kind of mad at Kithier for his defense Uh, against Virginia Tech. because
1: Kithier plays power forward too, right? Yeah,
0: so Marcus Bingham got the start against Georgia and UCLA. and had two straight, not two straight, but in a very short span, had two blocks on the post against Georgia, which I I actually really like seeing Bingham – get playing time on the floor, and didn't put up great stats, but had 18 minutes against Georgia, uh, finished with five points and two assists and six rebounds, which is nice. And then against
1: UCLA, uh, put up some similar stats to find them. I Did you hear what Izzo said about the power forward? I think – I wish I had his exact words in front of me. I have audio of it. I'll throw it in on the – post-production on the podcast, but I think he said something like, it's a weakness for us, which raised an eyebrow with me. So I'm not I think, surprised again, he's trying to send a message to Thomas Kithier.
0: I think he's trying to send a message to Thomas Kithier and Marcus Bingham and Malik Hall. Cause Hall had some moments, but there was one against Georgia where Malik Hall basically put somebody in a body bag on a dunk, <laughs> but then got a technical right after for getting in a space and is screams at him i think he says grow the f up
1: yeah was that <laughs> was that the one that went viral
0: yeah it was right. a hell of a dunk and kenny <laughs> goins retweeted it and said something like dogs bark dogs gotta bark or something <laughs> but, no it's true like you can make those you can celebrate on your way back down the court i, I think in basketball you can still flex on them but no you can't get right into somebody's grill right. like that and you know, it, it didn't seem like a big deal at the time, but, but when, you, but when Georgia nullifies. gets back within two, then you're like, "It's all because of that damn technical foul he got." Yeah,
1: it nullifies your points too. They get the opportunity to match or exceed what you just got if they get three. Yeah, they get they get a foul shot in the ball, correct? I Believe it's two foul shots in the ball. Oh
0: yeah, then college it's two. And I, I think they missed one of them, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're giving them the opportunity <laughs> on to- the scoreboard, like it. If
1: they have the chance and to. In some ways, you're it. better off missing the dunk if you're going to do yeah.
0: that. And Cassius Winston responded to his seven and two game very well. He had twenty eight and eight against Georgia with two turnovers. Xavier Tillman statistically against Georgia: fifteen points, eleven rebounds, and he did have fourteen rebounds against Virginia Tech. But
1: so Duke is coming to the residence yeah.
0: Center. And then, uh, real quick, Cassius Winston: twenty points and four assists against UCLA. Tillman. Finished with UCLA. Any good?
1: No, no. Okay. Um, and but Georgia, this, this is one of those games I don't think where, like, Georgia's any good either.
0: I think Georgia will be kind of in the Creighton conversation. Maybe, a, maybe a smidge below Creighton, but they have a star player. Well, Tom Crane always looks like he in
1: the Justin Dir. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Duke is coming to town. This is you have to win this game. I, I'd never say that about a game before February, but. Well, unless unless you're a bubble team to begin with. Yeah. For Michigan State's not. For just the outlook of the season and the way Duke has looked, the only way Duke is a better team than Michigan State is on name and name alone. Michigan State has to come into this game knowing that they're better. Everybody has to know that they're better than the player in their position across from them. I would take Cassius Winston over Trey Jones. Today, I would take Xavier Tillman over Vernon Carey Jr., even though I really want a Vernon Carey Jr. in Michigan <laughs> State, not just because his dad played for the Dolphins. Um, <laughs> you know, I would, you know I, maybe I would take Javin Delorier over uh, Kithier, but Michigan, you? Michigan State, this is a, a rare home game against a team like Duke. And I know a little bit of the sparkle is taken
1: off with Duke's loss to Stephen F. Austin stone cold stone cold <laughs> and duke hasn't really done much except beat
0: kansas right and kansas looks a lot better now than they did week 1 and yeah. duke traditionally is a bunch of scary cats you know they they don't schedule away games like they the only reason they are playing an away game is because the big 10 ACC challenge is making them
1: They didn't want this. No, they, I mean, they used to have a rivalry in a home and away with Michigan for years. And, uh, there's no rivalry there anymore. Yeah. The Duke is like the Alabama college basketball, except they have a lot less recent titles to show for it. Yeah.
0: Um, which, you know, if, if they had players that had to stay three or four years, it'd be different. Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing. I think that works against
1: them sometimes though. Uh, Duke losing players so quickly. Yeah. Cause we we were talking about how Michigan and Michigan state, like last last year, Michigan
0: state was rolling out Cassius Winston, a junior Matt McQuaid, a senior, uh, Kenny Goins, a fifth year senior. And those were their top three players at, at that time. If you want to say Aaron Henry over one of them. Okay. But Duke was countering with, although mega talented Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, and, um, uh, whoever number
1: I know two, who you know about.
0: zero number two was a shooter. Um, he was the third best guy on the team. I think he went to the Hawks. Yeah, but anyways, they had been like taking people's best shots all year. And anyways, like yeah, Michigan State they have the more experience. I think in the areas that it counts, they're more talented. Cam Reddish, Cam yeah. Reddish was the guy. Okay. Yeah. Um. This is just a game. You have to come out with an attitude like it's Draymond Green jersey retirement night. You got to play like Draymond Green. You're like if you lose that game at home, not in front of the home crowd, but in front of Draymond Green, that's embarrassing for you, dude. Draymond Green's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> you have to play like Draymond Green. Does basically you have to come out with that attitude that
1: he has? Like you need it. You need that night to give you a spark, the way Senior Night does. The way homecoming does, the way raising a banner does.
0: That's a great point, Mike. And it is going to be one of those whiteout type of games. And I I don't think they'll have to be searching for emotion to play with. But it's not just emotion you need. You got to have confidence. You got to be cocky in this game. But not arrogant, but confident. You're better than this team. You're at home. You beat this team.
1: What is Duke ranked right now? Are they they yeah. were number one. So so well, tomorrow we'll get the new rankings. Yeah,
0: on Monday rankings get updated on Monday. So,
1: but yeah, Two I know top it's, five, maybe
0: a top ten. I would say Michigan State probably drops to six or seven. Duke probably five, probably five. Seeing how they treated Kentucky's loss to Evansville, which this is just one of those college basketball yeah.
1: seasons. What did Ken? Ken Palm saying Ken Pomeroy is the one that does Ken Palm. There are no great teams this season, right? And I mean, that's that's what allows a Michigan, who comes away with two good wins, granted the seasons early, but only two wins, and you're shooting up to the top five. And right now, you have one of the most impressive resumes in the yeah. country. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kansas. Who have they beaten? Dayton. They have one good win, you know, right? And I, Duke beat Kansas is one good win. They say seen Hall
0: one good win, you know, a road game. So I. I still put like a lot of weight on true road games, you know. But I'm not sure um,
1: Seton Hall's as good as maybe I don't know. It's so hard. Gonzaga, they're, they're not like maybe a, not
0: Gonzaga or North Carolina, but maybe they are. Nobody, nobody was saying they were like. I definitely am, out of all the resumes in the country, like <clears throat> Michigan's definitely impressing me the most
1: right now. Dayton, Dayton has beaten some people though, haven't they? But yeah, but they lost to Kansas. This is just a win that Michigan yeah. State needs to have
0: it doesn't it'll play a factor in seating i like obviously it won't play a factor in the big 10 it'll play a factor in confidence uh it'll play a factor in how the fans feel which does have some importance everybody hates duke too everybody hates duke my hate list it, it varies depending on who i'm watching but the patriots are up there duke blue devils are up there michigan football is up there wisconsin basketball is up there and then uh purdue basketball as well but yeah, and, uh, and also UConn and
1: Kansas. <laughs> all, the, all the college basketball teams. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I mean, even though Michigan doesn't play Duke every year like they used to. and been, Michigan State does. <laughs> it's been 17 or 18 years since it's been yearly, but yeah. Michigan fans still hate Duke.
0: Real quick, yeah, right. Michigan State played Duke in the 2010-11 season, the 11-12 season, the 12-13 season. They played them twice in the 14 15 season, played them in the 15, no, played them in the 16 17 season, then the 17 18 season, and last year, which was the 18 19 season, playing this year, and then we're going to play them next year in the Champions Classic. So that's nine times since 2010 11 that Michigan State and Duke will have met. And who knows, maybe they meet up in March this year too. So that. Potentially ten times.
1: And I know, like, historically it's a big rivalry. And I know Beeline played Duke a few times. Twice in one year, too. Yeah. uh, But, I mean, they haven't played since 2013. uh, But they had home and home, and it dates back to the 60s. I was trying to see the most recent one. Uh, They played in the 2011 tournament. Duke won by, like, what, two points? Maybe four points? It was really close. But, yeah. No,
0: Duke... Duke is my least favorite team. They are at the top of the SH list. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, is it worse if I just spell it out and say it? <laughs> um, if you cheer for Duke, you're just a bad person. Like, you don't <laughs> deserve to be loved. Like I don't make the rules. That's just what
1: they are. That's what you're they are. You're just a bad
0: person if you cheer for Duke basketball. That's the, the facts. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you suck if you like Duke basketball. And uh, hopefully – Hopefully, you will be crying some tears on Tuesday night, just like
1: you did at the end of March. Since 2008, Michigan and Duke have played five times, but from 1989 to 2002, they played every year. I don't know how many times
0: Duke and Michigan State played historically before this stretch. I know they played in the 99 Final Four, a Duke win, and then they played in the 05 Sweet 16, a Michigan State win. I know they played a couple times between then, but... Just very
1: punchable faces. Across very the punchable way. faces. Uh, and since um, Mike Shashevsky is a rat bastard, I, I know uh, he said his team played like crap because he had to take a crap or something. <laughs> I, I think it was his. Exact the funny quote. thing
0: is, against Stephen F. Austin, in every statistical category, Duke dominated except for the scoreboard. That's oh, coaching. Duke has added a win over Winthrop. Winthrop, yeah. however, it's pronounced. What conference are they in? What's their
1: Winthrop?
0: mascot? I was like Are they the Winthrop, like, I think, Winthrops? <laughs> I think they're in like the Big Sun or something like that. Gotcha. But yeah, just real quick, Duke versus uh Stone Cold Stephen F Austin. Stephen <laughs> F Austin was 11 for 17 from the free throw line. Duke was 24 out of 40. Duke made 40 or Duke attempted 40 free throws and Stephen F Austin attempted 17. Uh, Three-pointers. Stephen F. Austin was 2 out of 10. Duke was 5 for 15. So not great numbers from Duke, but a lot better than 2 out of 10. Uh, I guess 22 turnovers is where it would be. But, yeah, Michigan State, this is just a game you got to win.
1: Is there any other thoughts you have on that? Nope. Okay, well, I just want to thank everyone again for listening. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. I like to list all the platforms. You can find us on Anchor, Google Podcasts. Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Spotify, Pocket Podcasts, Radio Public, and you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Sawyer Zero. And Joe, your uh, Twitter handle is at Joe is Captain because you are the captain. That's right. And thank you for listening.
0: His body
1: grew big, but his brain stayed small. He was tree-chopping, friend-stomping, house-crushing Paul. Me hungry.